about what I was going to talk about last week, and we'll just title this first. First. Principles of first things. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about what we ought to be doing first. And in Matthew, the sixth chapter, and the 33rd verse, Jesus said, but seek, what's that next word? But seek first. First means that you do this before anything else. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, the things that Jesus is talking about there are the necessities of life. Um, And you know, so many folks seek those things first. And we shouldn't be doing that. We ought to be doing what first? Seeking the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then all these other things will be added unto you. You know, I found out if you'll seek God first, he can find you a real good job. Did you know that? He really, really can. I, I've had him do that for me a couple of times over the years where I've needed a job. And because I was seeking God first, then he added the job to me, which added the things, the necessities of life. You know, things can, can be distracting, can't they? Things, things, they can distract you. There's many things in the world now that that we have to distract us. But don't be distracted. What are we supposed to be doing first? Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And don't ever forget this. God's not against you having things. He's against what? Things having you. Okay. He's not against you having money. He's against money having you. You understand that? So what are we supposed to be doing first? Seeking God and His kingdom, His righteousness. Is that right? Now, notice if you would, let's go to Proverbs, the 8th chapter, and the 17th verse. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. Notice Proverbs 8, 17. It'll, it'll be on the screen. Hopefully you have a Bible there, either in book form or on your computer. Your, how, many, how many use a telephone for your... How many use a telephone for just about everything? That's kind of where we're at. That's all right. But uh, as long as you have your Bible uh, in some form, and always check us out, you know, because haven't we noticed those screens? Once in a blue moon, they'll, they'll get it wrong. Is that right? So check it out. Check us out. Do you have Proverbs 8, verse 17? Notice what, what the Bible says here. God is speaking. He says, I love them that love me. How many of you love God today? You really really love him. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early will find me. How many of you want to find the Lord? Well, seek him early. You You know, one reason you need to seek him early is so that you don't mess up late. Is that right? I found this. If I'll seek him early... I won't mess up late. In other words, if I'll seek him first and, and get his wisdom on something and do what he says, then I'll, I'll, I find later on I'm not messing up because he's got me doing the right thing. So we ought to seek him early. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get up at, at 4.30 in the morning. And everybody, some people said, Amen. One lady said, Praise God. Uh, it just means that you, before anything else, you've got your heart, you've got your mind on God, and you're seeking Him first, putting Him first. And then notice in verse 18 what comes along with putting God first. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. See, is God against you having money and against you having things? Not at all. He's just, again, he's against those things having you. You know one way you can tell if money has a hold of you, if money has you, is if you can't turn it loose. Particularly at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? Now, 
so what are we supposed to do first? We're supposed to seek God first. Seek Him early first. Does anybody know what the first commandment, the Ten Commandments, anybody know what the first one is? So the first commandment is to what? Keep God first. You'll have no other gods before me. First commandment is to keep God first. Now, a lot of people say that they have God first in their life. But uh, just like I told you a moment ago, how can you tell if money has you instead of you having money if you can't, what, turn loose of it, particularly at the direction of the Holy Spirit? He tells you to give in to something or whatever, and you can't, can't turn loose of the money, you know. Then you can, it's a, a self-test. I used to be a school teacher, and, and I would uh, uh, like to give little pop quizzes or tests to the students. And so we're going to give you a little pop quiz here, but it's a self-quiz. Okay, you just evaluate yourself. You can you can test as to whether or not you're keeping God first by observing how you treat God's house, his work and his ministers. Did you know I've dealt with with people over the years that they'll, they'll, you know, oh, I love you, Lord Jesus. I just love you so much. And then they'll go. You know, they'll be praising God in the service and then they'll go right out after the service and start talking bad about somebody. Now, when you talk bad about somebody, particularly a brother or sister in the Lord, you're talking bad about Jesus himself. Did you know that? How many of you remember when when Saul of Tarsus was going, he was persecuting the churches, you know, and he was going in on the road to Damascus and and, and Jesus appeared to him and the, the light was so bright, knocked him to the ground. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes it personal. So, you know, a lot of times uh, uh, people will be nice to the pastor, or they'll be nice to the pastor's wife or whatever, but then they'll treat, you know, some other uh, fellow uh, believer in the church, you know, just just not so good. Jesus takes that personal. You know, we we ought to love everybody the same. Is that right? And treat everybody with respect and so on. And so, how you treat fellow believers, how you treat the house of God, how you treat the work, the ministry, the the gospel, you know, and how you treat God's ministers. Uh, is a self-test to how you really feel about God. If I invited you over to my house and you came in there and you just start kicking holes in the wall, what would that be indicative of? You don't really have much respect for me. Is that right? Is that correct? And so, so same thing's true with, with the house of God, how you treat it, how, how you reverence it. That's how you can really tell how you feel about God. How important is the house of God to you? How important is the spread of the gospel to you? And so on. So let's just look at a few scriptures along these lines. Let's go to Acts 20, verse 7. Um, while you're turning there, you know, if you talk bad about one of God's ministers... You're really talking bad about the Lord, aren't you? Is that right? So, so just, just self-test. Just give yourself a test here, just personally, between you and the Lord. Just look at yourself and evaluate yourself as we go through some of these things. In Acts 20, verse 7, notice, now on what day of the week? The first day of the week, that's Sunday. Notice when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Now, I'm not going to speak up here until midnight. And everybody said, Amen. (laughs) But uh, what I want you to see here is they set the first day of the week apart for God. And we we still do that today. I can't think of a, a better way to start the week than to start out. Coming to church, to the house of God, reverencing God and honoring Him, kicking off the week that way. Can you think of a better, a better thing to do? And we put God first. We put Him first on the first day, and He'll honor that. He really, really, really will. We, my wife and I have been doing that for years and years and years, and God is, has proven true. He's, he's blessed us, you know, because we put His work first. And, uh, and so, you know, we need to put God first. First on the first day, right? What's the first day of the week? Now, that's not a hard question. A lot of people think it's Monday. Now, that may be the first day of the work week, but really on the calendar, what's the first day of the week? 
Sunday. So set that day aside. First thing you do on the first day of the week, come to the house of God and honor him. Now notice, let's look at some people who didn't do that. Go to Haggai. Haggai. H-A-G-G-A-I. Haggai. That's over in the Old Testament. And I'll give you a few moments to, to get over there. We're going to look at these verses in the New Living Translation. Let's look at just a few a few verses here of some people who did not put the house of God first. And let's see how it went for them. Notice Haggai. Have you found it yet? Have you? How many of you are just going to look at the screen and just pretend like you turned to it? Okay. It's in there. Did you find it, Diane? Oh, she's got it. All right. Are you ready? Verse chapter one, verse three. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it. New Living Translation. Then the Lord sent his message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? These people had built for them luxurious houses, but they were not taking care of the house of God. Now, again, God does not have a problem with you living in a luxurious house. The problem is, is when you're living in a luxurious house, but you're neglecting the house of God. Did you get that? You okay? And he says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. And then he says, now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Well, I don't want God blowing my harvest away, do you? And he says, why? Notice, why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses... It's because of it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I've called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Now, God didn't want to do that, but they weren't honoring his house. You see. If you don't honor the house of God, then God's not gonna, He's not gonna honor your house. It's just as simple as that. And again, my wife and I, we've walked this out. We've proven this out. We've honored God in His house. And God's blessed us beyond measure. He really has. This, this principle really works of keeping God first. And these folks didn't keep God's house first. They were more interested in their own house and their own things. And you see it, 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 Things didn't go very well for him. Uh, I like the way, I think it's the uh, New King James Version, uh, says one of these, these lines in here. It says, consider your ways. And that's what I'm just asking all of us to do here today is consider, consider your ways. Uh, have you kept the house of God first? Have you, have you done that? Are you uh, contributing anything to the house of God? Whether it's your time, volunteering, your, your time, your talents. Um, you know, God's given each and every one of us talents and we need to, a lot of times we just think about money, but talents, so many folks have talents that they never put to use in the house of God. And so do you have talents out there that you're just sitting on? Don't do that. You know, come to the house of God and, and, and volunteer and, 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 and serve God with your time, talents and, and finances. And as you do that, he'll bless you back. If you don't do that, you just, it's not that God wants to do, he doesn't want to blow all your stuff away, but it's a spiritual principle. And if you don't put him first, then you set yourself up at odds against his principles, you see. You, you understand that? How many of you know God's a good God? He really, really is. And he wants to bless you. He wants to bless your socks off. He really, really does. But you've got to follow his principles, you see. And one of the, one of the 
biggest principles you'll find in the Bible is you got to keep God first. Keep him first above any, anything else, anyone else. You know, we can even put people ahead of God if we're not careful. We gotta, he's got to be first. He's got to be more important to you than your spouse, than your children, than, than your pets, than, than your house, than your car. God has to be first. Don't you think he's worthy of that? Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even be here. Is that right? Now then, notice here, uh, let's go to Proverbs 3, verse 9. You know, we spend the majority of our time in the New Testament because we live in the New Covenant. But today I have some scriptures from the Old, Old Testament. And these principles, though, carry over into the New, New Testament. So it's, it's just fine here to look at these. Note, notice here, Proverbs 3, verse 9 says... This, this is New King James Version. Honor the Lord with your what? Possessions. And with the what? First fruits of all your increase. And look at verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I mean, that's just, just blessing, blessing. See, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the necessities of life, all the things will be added to you. Notice again verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Now, uh, in the Bible, just so you know, uh, let me ask you this. Does anybody know what a tithe is? It's the tenth. So if you have $100, what's a tithe? $10. If you have $10, what's a tithe? One. So that's easy enough. Now, now, technically, there is a difference, as you study Scripture, there is a difference between the tithe and first fruits. There, there, technically, there is. And I could take about an hour's worth of your time and explain the difference to you. But without doing that, let's just, how about we just keep everything real simple. And, and I've been, been pastoring for many, many years. And, and, and here's here's what I would say is, Rather than getting into a big uh, technical, you know, what's the difference between a tithe and a first fruit and all of that. If, if, if Christians, if all of us would just take the tithe, how much is a tithe? What percent? If we just do that and put that first and give that to God first because it's, it's his. Don't ever forget this. The tithe is marked for a blessing or a curse. It belongs to God. You understand that? Right? Belongs to God. And, 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 and I've learned this about the tithe over the years. Either God's going to get it or, or, or the devil's going to get it but through some catastrophe or something. Not that God's bringing on you, but when you don't tithe, you get out from under his, his blessing umbrella. Do you understand that? Did you hear me? And so I, and I've learned this. I'd rather have a blessed 90 than a cursed 100. Is that right? I'd rather have I'd rather have ninety dollars if I had a hundred dollars I'd rather have ninety dollars with God's blessing than a hundred dollars and be out under the curse. You understand that? See, a lot of times when preachers preach on tithing, and I say very little about money around here. Those of you who attend, I don't say much about it, do I? Very little, very little. But but you need to understand that 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 the tithe is important to God. It belongs to God. How many of you know all of it belongs to God? And, and he allows us to keep 90, and he requires 10. And it's not, it's not, his motive in that is not to be, a, to, to, to curse us in any way. His motive is to bless us. You understand that? If we'll just, just do that with a good and a right heart, it does really open the windows of heaven, and God does pour out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. My wife and I are living proof of that. It's not that God's trying to get your money, he's trying to, just get you, get you blessed, but you need to keep him first. So if we just take the tithe and put that first, I think we'd be in good shape. Can, can you say amen to that? And, and much we could say about it. I have it here. I have right here in my notes at this point just to mention Jericho. Uh, how many's ever read about Joshua? Remember Moses, and then Moses died, and who took over? Joshua, and then they went in to take the, what was that first city called? Anybody remember? Started with a J. I just said it. You people are sharp. That's good. Jericho. Big city. 
And what did God tell Joshua about Jericho? He, he said, he said, go in there. He said, go around the city once a day for six days on the seventh day, go around seven and then, you know, blow the trumpet, shout and all that. And the walls fell. And what did God say to him about the treasury of that, of that city? He said the whole thing, real loud, say the whole thing, the whole, oh, you can do better than that. The whole thing, the first city goes into the treasury of the Lord. Well, they did that almost, but there was a man, starts with an A, Achan. And he took a little bit of the treasury and he went and hid it under his tent, didn't he? Didn't he? Can you say, uh-oh, and not good. And, and, and then, the, and then the, the Israelites went up against another town. Jericho was big. They went up. Uh, the next town, uh, let's see, it started with an A and ended with an I. Well, oh, AI. Well, I really helped you with that one, didn't I? Little bitty nothing city. They should have whooped it. And guess what? The Israelites lost miserably. And Joshua was down in the dumps. He didn't know what in the world happened here. He went before God, long story short. He said that there's a cursed thing in the camp. And what it was is that Achan had taken a few of the, of the things from the treasury of Jericho and he took it for himself. And it brought a curse on the whole nation of Israel, didn't it? Yeah. And so once they got that straightened up, then they went back against Ai and they defeated it. And then if you read over there in Joshua, you'll find this. God said to, to Joshua, he said that, I'll put it in my own words, he said that first city belongs to me, to God. And then he told him, he said, but all the other cities, all the other ones, all of them, say all of them. He said, all the other cities, you can take the treasuries from all those other cities for yourselves. So you see, is God against us having things and all of that? No. Was he against his people having things? No, not at all. He just required, the realize, say the first, he won the first one. Don't you think God's worthy of that? And then things went fine for them, and, and uh, they won the rest of their battles, you know, and all of that. Because, think, you know, let me ask you a question. If, you're, if you've been losing at the battle of life, how many of you know life can be a battle, can it? Just ask yourself, how are you treating God? How are you treating the house of God? Are you keeping Him first? And if you're not, you know, repent. Isn't it good that we can repent? And make a change and God will forgive us and we can just pick up right where we are and just go right on and God will start blessing us as a result. Can you say amen? amen. Now go to Genesis 4 verse 3. Just a, few, just a little longer here. Just a few more things. Uh, ever, have you ever heard of Cain and Abel? Yeah. Genesis 4 verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel, that was his brother, also brought of the what? Firstborn of his flock and their fat. That means the best. So what did Abel do? He brought the first and the best. The first and the best. Real loud say the first. And then say the best. He brought the first and the best to God. And it's clear from this that Cain did not. Some people make an argument that, well, Cain brought her the fruit of the ground and it was the ground had been cursed because God put a curse on it when Adam and Eve fell and all that. Now, I, I don't see that. Cain did not bring, I mean, God did put a curse on the ground, but that wasn't the problem here. Cain did not bring the First, and he did not bring the best. But Abel brought the what? The first and the best. And the Bible says that the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And if you read over in the book of Hebrews, you'll see that what does it take to please God? It takes faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And the book of Hebrews says that Abel, Abel offered, offered his offering in faith. Did you know, listen to me, it takes faith to give God your first and your best. Did you know that? I said it takes faith to do that. 
It takes faith to give God your first and your best. One way, not the only way, but one way to see if you have faith is are you giving God your first and your best? I like what King David David said. He said this. He said, I will not give God something that cost me nothing. Isn't that good? And you can see why he was a man after God's own heart. He said, I will not give God something that cost me nothing. Did you know that a lot of God's people have a tipper mentality? How many of you know, you know, a tipper, you know, to just give, flip God a little tip. How many of you know God gave us his very best? Jesus. Is that right? So we should give God our very best. And it takes faith. Realize, say faith. Takes faith to do that. To give God your first and your best. God doesn't require that you give him everything. Yeah, but what about the rich young ruler? Didn't Jesus tell him to sell all that he had and go give to the poor? Yeah, he told him that. He hasn't told everybody that. Now, if God tells you to do that, you do it. If God tells you. But I'll tell you this. He has said to all of us, all of us are supposed to put him what? Put him first and give him our what? Our first and our best. Amen. Hey, let's go to let's go to and then we'll go to the New Testament for a few things. But let's go to Malachi chapter one. Now, usually on a message like this, Malachi you know, preachers will go to chapter 3 and talk about the tithe. And, but I'm not going to do that. You can read chapter 3 on your own. Did you know when you don't tithe, the Bible says you're robbing God? Is that right? I, I, while you're turning to Malachi, that's the last book in the Old Testament, chapter 1. I remember there was a, 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 a missionary one time, uh, Terry Mize. Have you ever heard of Terry Mize? A real good, good Good man. I picked him up one time and was driving him around the area here in St. Louis. And uh, he was in preaching a, a meeting at a certain church. And I was talking with him. And, and I, somehow or another, we got on this. He's the guy that stopped. He was down in Mexico, you know, and he stopped at, uh, picked up a hitchhiker. And the hitchhiker, they were driving along there, you know. And uh, the hitchhiker pulled the gun on him and told them to meet him at the front of the car. And they met at the front of the car. And, the, and, and Terry Mize, he, yeah, I asked him, I said, what, what, what were you thinking while, while that guy had the gun on you? He said, I was, I was scared. Well, wouldn't you be scared? I'd be. And, and he said they met at the front of the car, and the whole time Terry Mize was using the name of Jesus. Thank God for the name of Jesus. And he said that guy pointed the gun at him, po- shot six times, point blank, and all six bullets went right between his legs. Can you say Amen. <laughs> But anyway, we got talking about the tithe. And uh, he says the first thing he does when he gets to the airport, and there comes a, one of the people out, you know, to take the bags, you know, at the airport. He asks him, he says, are you a tither? And if they say yes, he'll let him take the bags. If they say no, he says, no, I'll carry my own bags. If you'll rob from God, you'll rob from me. Interesting. Did you hear me? This stuff's serious, dear friends. I don't. I, I seldom talk about tithes and offerings and giving, but every once in a while we need to get on it and talk a little bit about it. So usually, when when a message like this comes up, we go to Malachi three. But let's don't do that. Let's go to Malachi one, and we'll read in the New Living Translations. I'm going to read several verses. It'll be on the screen. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, verse 6 here, Malachi 1, 6. A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You know, a lot of people call Jesus Lord, but they don't respect him in, in other ways. And examine yourself. Notice what he says here. You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have, we defi- uh, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices. Can you believe people would do that? 
they back then see they gave animals. They gave blind animals. Can you imagine people giving blind animals to the Lord? Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of, of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asks the Lord. Verse 10. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. Can you imagine God saying, I wish you'd just shut the door, shut the church down rather than bringing these, these horrible sacrifices. Think about that. This is serious stuff, dear friend. He said, I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord, and I'll not accept your offerings. Did you know there's some offerings that God just won't accept if we're just tipping him? I used to be a tipper back years ago. Tipper. Tip God. Tip him. And one day I was sitting in a service much like this, and the Spirit of God spoke to me right on the inside. That's where he'll speak to all of us if, if we'll just listen to him if we're born again, know Jesus. And he, you know what he called me? He called me a freeloader. Now, if you'd have called me that, maybe we'd get in a fight. But the Lord, he's big enough, he can get away with that. And it changed me. He said, you're sitting here taking up the heating and the cooling. and you know, Well, he said the heating. It was, it was wintertime heating and lights and all the facilities. And you're just putting in a pittance. And it changed me. And we, I've tithed from that day to this. And all my needs are wonderfully met. Needs of the church wonderfully met. He said, verse 10, how I wish... You would shut the temple door so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. He said, I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord. I'll not accept your offerings. I want God accepting my offerings. How about you? So we've got to offer them in faith. And it takes faith to give your first and your best. He says, but my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. They All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord. But you dishonor my name with your, with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Just think about that on the way over to church. You stop and rob a bank and then come in and give the money to the Lord. That wouldn't be so good, would it? That's kind of what they were doing. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick, people are presenting this. You know, it's still kind of the same today if you say to folks, you know, I'm not saying you all, but church people that I've dealt with over the many years, you know, we're going to gather up some, some stuff and give to the poor. You know, a lot of times folks will just bring their junk to offer. I think, and again, if something's lightly used and whatnot, nothing wrong with giving that at all, certainly not. But how many of you know that, that we shouldn't give our junk, we should give our best, is that right? Maybe go to Walmart and buy a nice coat or something and, and just give it away. It takes faith to do that. How many of you know it doesn't take any faith to go in there and get something that you've never, you haven't used for the last ten years and just pitch that on the pile? How many of you know that doesn't take any faith? Is that right? Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick. Should I accept from you such offerings, says the Lord? And then the answer is obviously no. He won't accept it. There are some things God won't accept. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. My, my, my. Well, let's go on here. Go to First King. I need to go to First King 17. Let's stop off there. It's only 11 o'clock. Can you give me about 10 more minutes? Okay. How am I doing so far? Am I doing okay? All right. You learning anything? Anybody ever hear of Elijah? Prophet of God, the Old Testament? Look at 1 Kings 17, verse 9. Arise, go to Zarephath, God said to him, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. He came to the gate of the city. Indeed, there was a widow there gathering sticks. He called her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have bread, only a handful of flour and a bin, a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. But she had a good attitude, didn't she? 
And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make a small cake from it, what? From it, what? First, so the man of God says, make it for me first, bring it to me, and afterward, some for yourself and your son. Now, how many of you know if the newspapers had gotten a hold of that, there would have been a scandalous report on Elijah, is that right? Local prophet wants last morsel from widow woman's mouth, is that right? How do you treat preachers? How do you treat God's servants? Now, if you watch any Christian television to any great degree, there's a lot of times you'll see preachers on there that are wanting money and promising you the world or the moon with a fence around it if you'll give to them. How many of you know, I I, I wouldn't send a dime to a lot of those guys. They're just money bilkers. Enough said. But what you need to do is find yourself a minister or ministers, people. How many know Billy Graham, Frank Franklin Graham? Good, good men, right? Joyce Meyer ministry. How many you know that's a good ministry? Yeah, yeah. And we could name many. Find somebody you have confidence in and bless them. Bless them. And say me. All my needs are met wonderfully, abundantly so. Find somebody you got confidence in. A minister, a man or a woman of God, and bless them. Just do something for them. Something that takes faith. Do something for them. People ask me sometimes, how come all of the needs of the church are totally met, completely met? We've been out of debt for years. We're way ahead. Can you say amen? I never had, not one time have I ever had to stand up here and give you a sad song and dance about, oh, we need, oh, we need you to give, oh. You know, I think that just puts a sour taste in people's mouths. We've, my wife and I, we've been serving God for over 25 years together. And, 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 and God has made us abundant, he's made us rich. You know what that means? All our needs met on every side. I don't say that boastfully, but it's the truth. Did you hear me? Both in the church and in personal. And one thing we've done is ministers that have come through here, and I don't get up and and tell you about it hardly ever, but ministers come through here, and we bless, guest ministers, we bless their socks off. We bless them. I've had had ministers right back in that office there in tears because they couldn't believe the size of the offering that we gave them. We as a church... One I'm thinking of, God sent them here supernaturally. Supernaturally sent them here to this church. I thought initially they were coming to to bless us with something. Not money, but just some ministry or whatnot. But in the end, after I got on the other side of it and saw God sent them here super, supernaturally for us to bless them financially. Isn't that a good deal when a church can be a blessing like that? I'm honored to be such a church that God can send servants of his here that we can bless them financially. He's standing back there in the office, him and his wife in tears. And then you wonder why all the needs are met, why we're ahead, way ahead. Isn't that wonderful? Because we've blessed men and women of God that have come through here. And God has blessed us. He blessed our socks off. Now, if it sounds like I'm being braggadocious, I'm not. What I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see is that the principles of God work. Especially you young people. You get a, need to get a hold of this. God had to slap me down back when I was in my early 20s, call me a freeloader. Don't get to that point. Just let get, get what I'm tell, telling you here today. Put God what? Put him first in everything you do, and he'll put you first. He'll honor you, and he really, really, really will. And he'll raise you up, not just so that you can have stuff. I tell you what, I've been walking with God a long time. And you know, when I was a kid, I I wanted the stuff, wanted the stuff, wanted the stuff. But you know, the more I walk with God, the less and less stuff means to me. I don't care about the watches and rings. I don't care about that. I want more of God. He's given me all the stuff. Let me tell you something about stuff. It can just entertain you so long and then it gets boring. Let me tell you what. God never gets boring. Can you say amen? So what happened here? She did as Elijah said. And notice here, verse 14. For thus says the Lord. 
The bin of fire will not be used up. The jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her son and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I mean, I bet she was real glad she honored God. And she honored God by honoring not some bilker that's trying to bilk you out of money. This was a real man of God. And she blessed him. And in so doing, she was blessing God. Because when you bless God's true servants, you're really blessing him and he'll honor it. Can you say amen? All right, let's close this up now. Go real quick. Matthew 5. Go over there. And then we'll close in the book of Revelation. Look at this. Matthew 5:23. Jesus speaking. He says, if you bring your gift to the altar, uh oh, now, now, now listen here, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. And what's that next word? First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. See, we're talking about the principle of first things. How many of you know there are more, Jesus said there's weightier matters than tithing. There's more important things than tithing and money. Did you know that? Like mercy and and, and love and all of that. And here Jesus is saying, if you come and you have a gift for the Lord, but there's something not right between you and your brother. There's something wrong. You got somebody that there's some strife between you and them. What did Jesus say to do first? He said, first, go and what? Make it right. Didn't he? Then come and offer your gift. Principle of first things. And then, so we could talk on that for a while, but I'm running out of time. Go to Revelation 2 and we'll close. Verse 1. This is a good place to close this message. As you're turning to Revelation 2, again, I want to caution you. Don't just think about money. That's a part of it. But your time, your talents, these are all things that you can offer to God. Seeking him first, putting him first in your having a prayer life, you know. Look at Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel or to the pastor, we could say, of the church of Ephesus. Now, this was a large church. We consider it a mega church in our day. This was a church that the Apostle Paul spent much time at. And if you read the book of Ephesians, you would see that he kept emphasizing love, 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 love. Walking in love is important, isn't it? And, uh, and, then, and then John, actually he took uh, Jesus' mother. Anybody remember her name? Remember when Jesus was on the cross, he turned Mary over to John, right? John took her to Ephesus. Then John was exiled. He was on Patmos and got the revelation. And So this was a church where Jesus, uh, uh, Paul was at, John was at, Mary attended. So just so you know. Anyway, so John writes, he says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the golden lampstands. The stars were to pastors, the lampstands were to churches. Okay, listen. So the lampstands have to do with the church. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they are apostles and are not and found them liars. So this church here, Jesus commends them. How many of you know Jesus always commends first and then he corrects second? He always finds the good first, then he, then he corrects if correction is needed. He says, I know your works, labor, patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. Notice this. You've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You found them liars. This is really a good thing. This church was doctrinally pure. They wouldn't let anybody just get up there and teach. The people that got up there and taught, they were doctrinally sound. Good, sound doctrine, good teaching coming across the pulpit here. And then he says, and you persevered, you've had patience, you've labored for my name's sake, you've not become weary. It's all good stuff. Nevertheless, now listen here, I have this against you that you have left your what? Who is our first love? They more or less fell out of love with Jesus. Isn't that sad? And we can, from reading the book of Ephesians, we can see that they weren't walking in love amongst themselves. And so they, 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 they weren't loving one another as they should. And they certainly, Jesus wasn't 
first in their lives and in their hearts anymore. How many of you know Jesus needs to be first in our hearts and in our lives? And they left that. Can you imagine that? Have good sound doctrine, but they left their first love. I'm convinced they didn't reject Jesus. They didn't walk away from Jesus. They just, he wasn't first to them anymore. He wasn't as important to them anymore as he had been at first. I know I've gone through spells of this in my life where you know, I love the Lord, all right, but you can get so busy over here, you get so busy over there, this trial of life comes up, this crisis hits, this happens, that happens, and then you can get so busy serving God that you don't really have time for God. And your heart can slowly become hardened, I guess, and not as sensitive to him. And he's not first in everything you do anymore. And he said, you've left your first love. And then he says, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Isn't it good that we can repent? It means have a change of heart. And do the first works. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What he really said to them in words that you can understand and I can understand. He said, make this change or I'm going to come and shut your church down. Did you know Jesus opens churches and Jesus can shut them down? Did you know that? Did you know that all the churches you see in the land, not all of them have been opened by Jesus? A lot of them just somebody got an idea they wanted to have a church or they got mad at their pastor and they went up the street and started a church. Those aren't called of God. And most of them don't make it very far. They fizzle out, always having troubles and problems. Needs aren't met. But if a church is really started by the Lord, he opens the doors. But you know, if he opens them, he can close them. And you know, if you study this out, after about a hundred years, he said they could repent. They never did. Over about a hundred year span, they didn't repent. Had good sound doctrine, but they weren't walking in love toward one another. And they, Jesus wasn't first place in their heart anymore. And guess what? Jesus eventually shut that church down. And there's never been a church open there since. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you would. If you would, just stand there and bow your heads. I told you a while ago to examine yourself. That's what the Bible tells us to do, examine ourselves. Now, this may not have been what you'd call a hip, hip, hoorah service. But I tell you what, this service right here, if you'll put into action what we've said, it can change your life for the better. And I know many of you, and you you keep Jesus first, and that's wonderful, but we can all use a self-examination every once in a while. We all need it. I need it. We all, everybody, just take a look at yourself. Not at your neighbor, but at yourself. Not at your spouse, at yourself. How many of you know you, you can't change your spouse? <laughs> you should have figured that out by now. All you can do is change yourself. You can pray for them, but you change yourself. I've watched couples over the years, they change themselves, and all of a sudden their spouse changed, and things got better in their marriage. I'll tell you what, if you want, if you really, if you're having marital problems, and you want your marriage to get vibrant again, be sure Jesus is first in your marriage. Be sure he's first. Put him first. If you put him first, somehow or another he has a way of working things out. If both people walk in love, both man and woman, their husband and wife will walk in love and, and want Jesus first, then he'll, he'll work. He can work the problems out. I've watched him take marriages that were just on the rocks. And the husband and the wife decided to cooperate. Let's put Jesus first. And that marriage became good. So examine yourself. Look at yourself. Is there areas in your life where, where, where the Lord Jesus isn't first place? And if that's the case, then just repent. Ask him to forgive you. He will. And then keep him first. And I tell you what, it may not happen overnight, but in the process of time, see, things will get better for you. See, all of us, we seem to want overnight results. We live in a microwave society. We want, you know, abracadabra, everything to happen instantly. 
But you know as well as I do, some of us, it takes us 10, 20, 30 years to goof something up, and then we want God to fix it overnight. Well, sometimes he'll, he'll do that, but most of the time, it takes a little time for things to get back the way they need to be. So examine yourself. Examine yourself. And if, if Jesus hasn't been first place, just make a little adjustment. A lot of times, that's all people really need to do. They don't need to make some big change. They just need a little adjustment here or there. Put him first. Keep him first. Seek him first. And then uh, things will go better for you. Now, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sins and invited him into your heart, you need to do that before you leave here today. There really, really is a heaven above. There really, really is a hell beneath. He doesn't want you. God don't want you to go to hell. He wants you to miss that and make heaven. How do I miss hell and make heaven? Just by simply repenting of your sins and receiving Jesus into your heart, making him your Lord and Savior. And in a moment of time, you can change your eternal destiny from hell to heaven if you just receive Jesus. And then he'll make your life better. He'll make your life better in the here and now. He'll make your life better in the here and now. So if you need to receive Jesus, you've never done that. When I dismiss here in just moments, you walk up here to the front. There'll be some men and women up here. Just say, hey, introduce me to Jesus. And, and they will. And they'll have a word of prayer with you. And your life will change. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. And I tell you what, I want to encourage every one of you. Say, we're right here at the beginning of a new year. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. Forget those things that are behind and look forward to the things that are ahead. I tell you what, there's things in my past I'd just soon forget. How about you? So let's just don't look at those things that are behind. Let's put them behind us once and for all. You know, if we've repented of whatever it's been that's, you know, we've done wrong, just repent, ask Jesus to forgive us. He has. Praise God. He don't remember it anymore. Neither should we. Just forget it and let's start afresh, start anew. Let's go on and let's let 2017 be one of the best years we've ever had individually and as a church. What do you say? I believe it can. Let's believe for that. What do you say? And you know how we'll do that? Let's all of us keep Jesus what? first heavenly father i pray for the people i pray that as this word has gone into their hearts that it'll not return void but it'll accomplish exactly what it's been sent forth to do and that we'll all be 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 uh, eager to keep you first and consistently act upon your word and as we do and we keep you first and honor you we're confident that you'll honor us greatly in this year so that we can be a greater blessing to this community in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, look here at me for one second. If you're going to help undecorate the Christmas...